that, Kobe. Um, man, I, I just, can I just say thank you to you guys, too? I, last week was, uh, as you guys know, Bethany had her appendix removed, um, and uh, thankfully, she's good. She's here today. But, you know, there's just because of old legalism in my past, there's a sense of duty and obligation to be here on Sunday mornings. I just really appreciate the fact that Glenn and you guys, I called Glenn last Saturday and said, um, hey, I'm still studying and writing, but um, just found out Bethany's got to have her appendix removed. I think I'll be okay um, to preach Sunday morning. And he was like, dude, just stop. Let me just handle it. I got this. And so thank you guys for that grace and, and for him as well. It was such a good message last week. And I, there's a couple of things that he said that really, um, man, it just that I, they were really important to me because the Lord spoke the same things to me. And we've shared with you guys before how often God does that and how incredible it is that, that when we're all tuned to the same tuning fork, we get the same message. And so I just wanted to highlight a couple of those things as we got started this morning. Um, and if you weren't here last week, I'm glad that, that we're able to have this time this morning so that you can hear those things. Um, but also for those of us who were here as a good reminder, we studied, we looked at Exodus chapter 5 last week, and we dove a little bit into chapter 6 um, we're, if you're new here today, we're studying through the book of Exodus, and our goal in this study is not to identify with the Israelites, but to identify with Moses and Aaron, because we believe that God has called us to be a, a group of people as a church that's going to join God to set people free, and, and the most key phrase, part of that phrase is that we're joining God. It's not a work that we are doing. Uh, it's not because we're better than anybody else. It's, it's that we are choosing to be obedient uh, to God's call for us as a body, and we're going to, as we are loving him, we're going to help people to, to be freed up from dead religion and from legalism and things that bind them down, bind them down. So last week we talked about the result of, of Moses' um, obedience wasn't what Moses expected. He had an idea in his mind, and this was so cool. I texted Hal, um, I remember a couple years ago he read this book, and I couldn't remember the name of the book, but it talked about this idea of um, expectation versus expectancy and how if we go into a situation in obedience with God with an expectation we're always let down because our goals are nice and we're back maybe not <laughs> says the kids that have been living in the dark for the last couple of days there we go Hey, look, I still got power, so we can still do this thing. Look. I, all right, I'm going to do my best. You guys, y'all good with hanging with me? This is kind of fun. All right. Okay. All right, so what I was saying was the result of, of Moses' obedience was not what he expected, right? He had this idea of what God was going to do, and he went in to speak to Pharaoh and, and to speak to the Israelites, and he was let down, right? Because he, he didn't, God didn't accomplish what Moses expected, okay? And so... For us, if we move in obedience to God with an expectation, we're going to be let down because we're not as smart as God is. And so as we move forward in obedience, we need to move with expectancy that God is going to do something. We don't know what that is, and so we're going to pay attention and we're going to be looking for that work that God's ready to do, okay? And, and when we obey and things don't work out, we have a tendency a lot of times to try to take matters into our own hands. When we, when we see something happening outside of the realm of what we expected, our natural response to that spiritual action is for us to try to take control and make something happen, right? That's what happens in our lives. When something goes wrong, you try to take control and fix the problem. Guys, I know you can appreciate that, right? Probably more than the ladies because we're, we're fixers, all right? So we need to move with expectancy and not, not with uh, expectation. And we can't, this is so important, guys, we can't allow how we feel to dictate our actions because our feelings are going to lie to us, okay? We have to choose to respond to God's work even if we don't feel like it, okay? Because our feelings, our emotions are going to lie to us. The enemy is going to use those feelings to convince us that something is other than it is. I was reading Blackaby, I think it was yesterday, it talked about the disciples when they were in the boat and the storm came up and Jesus was asleep they allowed their current circumstance to dictate what truth was for them. And the truth that they thought was going to happen was, was immediate death. They thought, because these guys are fishermen, they're familiar with the water, the storm blows up, and their circumstances define truth for them in that moment, and they thought they were going to die. Okay, But Jesus is in the boat with them. We know this story. They wake Jesus up, Jesus speaks, the sea is calm, and they're all going, oh my gosh, 
But we fall in the same trap as them. We look at our lives, we look at things going wrong, like your appendix deciding it has to come out today, and we go, okay, apparently something's going wrong in my life. Well, it may not be that. It may just be that God needed us to just sit for a day, okay? But we don't need to allow our emotions to dictate for us what truth is. And this is so important for us as a body. As we move forward in joining God to set people free, we're going to be in situations that are not comfortable, right? We're going to be in situations when you bring somebody out of bondage, that's typically not a, uh, a, in every aspect an easy transition. Sometimes that's really difficult for all parties involved, okay? Most important thing out of that is that I just want you to understand that your feelings will betray you. And so when things are not feeling good, you need to immediately go to, to, to the truth. You need to go to the Word. You need to spend some time with God. And, and I had to do that last week. I had some things in my life that I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know why I felt the way I felt. And so I was telling Bethany, I was trying to sermon prep for last week, and I had to just stop and say, God, I need you to define for me why I feel the way I feel. Help me hammer down to the truth of what my reality really is so that I can progress forward. And God did that. In that moment, I got in the Word, and God showed me exactly why I felt the way I felt. And it was incredible. And, and I want that for all of us, okay? So Moses learns by experience to hang in there. God's working. He's doing what he does. And even though it doesn't look like what I think it should look like, God is still moving forward, okay? The beauty is, and the beauty of God is that he's always going to complete the work that he starts, even if it doesn't look like it's possible, God's going to do it. I asked Carrie and Kara to come today uh, and share their testimonies. Guys, this is a little different than I had in mind. This is awesome. I really, I'm liking this, okay? Carrie and Kara um, are going to come up, and they're going to share a story of something that God did in their life. I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to let you guys tell your story. So y'all come on up. I'm going to sit down, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. You may have to come up here. That's all you got. All right, that's good. Okay, um, so before we share our story about uh, what God has done over the last year um, and a little more with Alyssa, um, God brought a psalm to me this morning or the other day when I was kind of looking back over journals and you know things that I'd written down Psalm 66 16 uh, where the psalmist says uh, come near all those who fear God and hear what God did for my soul so uh, good admonition when God is doing something in your life share it with people so Will thanks for giving us this opportunity um, so as y'all know we are foster parents um, we had two kids we have Emeline and Mark and you know, we're like, all right, yeah, our family's good. So through the wonders of medical technology, we made it so that we can't have any more kids. Because um, we, were, we were done, right? We felt like that was good for our family. And we knew that <laughs> I had it done and my voice got higher. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, and we had decided when we first got married that if, if God were going to lead us uh, to other kids, that he would, he would take care of that. He would tell us when to do it. So... Uh, I would say late 2017, maybe uh, August or September, we had kind of started talking about maybe doing foster care, um, which is kind of scary uh, if you haven't done it before, right? I mean, taking a kid into your house that's not yours, it's, there's a lot of things that could happen with that. Um, but Kara was pretty sure of it. She's like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I think that God's telling us to do it. So I start praying about it. And um, while I'm praying about it, God gives me this vision. Um, you know, in the Bible, it talks a lot about visions, but God gave me this vision that was pretty clear of a biracial baby girl named Hope. And I was like, oh, it's just, you know, kind of a dream. And I'm going back and forth with God about it. And one Sunday morning, I remember up here, every song was about hope. Every song, like about God giving us hope. And I was like, all right, okay, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll do foster care. So God really used that vision to lead me uh, into accepting that he wanted us to do foster care. So we went through the class. Um, unbeknownst to me, um, I was actually thinking about this last night, and I told it to Kara. 
That time that God was giving me that vision was the time that Alyssa was being conceived. Like somewhere in that time frame was when in the darkness that brought her into the world, God was bringing that light. Like, and how beautiful that was. Just, it's been very good to go back and look at this. So we go through foster care. Uh, we have Cooper, if y'all remember him. We had him for about six weeks. Um, and if you're close to me and you, like, the waterworks that God brought with, like, starting foster care was crazy. I'm not an emotional guy. But I cried so much just having this new child. Which God used that to prepare us. Because when we got Alyssa, I was like, awesome, we got a new baby. Um, so we get her last April. She stays with us for a while. Um, and God's continuing to speak. And as I'm praying, God is showing me, hey, this was that vision that I gave you. And I kept going back and forth about it. Um, and he kept telling me, like, hey, this is what I said. This, what this, hey, I told you this was going to happen. And uh, me going back and forth, I'm like, okay, God, but this can't, like, we just had a foster baby that went back to his parents. You know, there's all likelihood that she's going to go back to her parents. And every time I sought God on it, every time, I would say, God, did I miss your word? Am I, am I mistaken? You know, you got to tell me. Never once when I opened my Bible did it say, hey, you're wrong, or she'll go home. It was, trust what the Lord has said. The Lord is faithful to, uh, to his promises. You know, he promises one thing, he never goes back on it. Constantly, every time I sought God, I gave him ample opportunity to tell me I was wrong. Uh, but he continued to speak the same things. Um, and then I go to Honduras, and God led me to preach on Peter. Glenn had this whole thing that he was going to preach on, and he said, hey, kind of, you know, go stick with this same thing, these things that I've already preached on. But God took me a different direction and taught me through Peter that every time Jesus said something to Peter, it was personal and it happened. And God's word was powerful. Just like with Moses, when God said something, it was going to happen. Even up to when Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no. Like Jesus told Peter that not so that Peter would make a promise that he couldn't fulfill, but so Peter could see Jesus's word is truth always, no matter what he says. Um, so God really used that in my heart to trust what God said. Um, shortly after that, through some poor handling, I guess, by a social worker, um, some things happened with a member of Alyssa's family that uh, should have happened at the beginning of the foster care. And uh, they started telling us there was a possibility that Alyssa would go to live with her aunt. So we're like, well, well, all right, God. What, I mean, you've said all these things, you know, and we've been open with it about our life groups and people that were close to us. Um, like, am I crazy? Did I miss it? <laughs> and again, what I've said is true. My word is always true. My promises will happen. So, like, all right, God, whatever, whatever you're going to do, um, I trust you. And then um, God leads me through a bunch. Of, I've got a ton of stuff in my journal, but I do want to read one thing. Um, something that y'all should know about me. When, we had, when we've had kids, I've been the one to make the list of names. All right. With Emmeline, Kara had her name picked out like a long time ago. I still had a list of names. With Mark, I had a list of names. You know, Carol was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I like that, I don't. So even though God had given me this vision of this little girl with the name Hope, I'm still looking at names. That's just me. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm weird. Um, so I'm thinking of names, and I, I decide I really like the name Hallie and think that's like short for hallelujah. Like how awesome is that as a name? Like your name means praise to God. And I was thinking, Hallie Hope, that's kind of cute. And then I'm riding around in my truck and I hear the song, uh, My Living Hope. And if you know the end of the verse going to the chorus, it says, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. And I'm listening to that and God's like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> you got it backwards. Like, that's not how it goes. Hope is the first one. So anyway, God used that to speak to me. One day I'm, I'm riding around at work and I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere with the only radio station that'll work. And uh, I, I'm like praying, thinking God, because 
we've been told that Alyssa's probably going to go live with her aunt, you know, and I'm, I'm really confused. So I'm praying, and this is what I wrote in my journal, like as soon as I got home. I asked God about Alyssa. All circumstances point to her going to live with her aunt. Oh, thank you. I told God it was in his hands because I believe he said she would be ours and he would have to do it. There's nothing we can do to control the situation. Songs I heard on the radio. So this was back-to-back songs. Trust what God says. He is our living hope. He used that same song again. You have made a way when there was no way. Nothing can separate us. So my eyes and my mind saw one thing, and God was telling me something completely different. Um, So I got home and I shared that with Kara, and both of us were in agreement. Like, okay, God, you said this. So what we see, totally opposite from what you're telling us. Um, So we, you know, continued to pray, situation continued to progress, and then one day we get a call and they say, hey, Alyssa's going to live with her aunt. Uh, In two days, we got to meet up and get her. Um, One of the hardest things I've ever done for both of us. Um, So that was the Thursday before Thanksgiving. I wake up. And I, I get before God, like, all right, God, today's the day. You got to do it. Um, so I pull up my devotionals, and I read in uh, Blackaby. So I'm going to read a little bit. Um, hopefully this won't take too long. Sorry, Will, I'm eating into your time. So I pull up Blackaby. This is the day we have to bring Alyssa to go live with her aunt. Uh, the scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Blackaby says, God never calls us to do anything without faithfully keeping his word and enabling us to do it. We are not always faithful to do what God tells us, but he remains faithful and stands by his word to fulfill what he has promised. When the children of Israel reached the Red Sea, they might have concluded that God had abandoned his promise to them. The sea was barring their advance. The murderous Egyptian army was racing to overtake them. Yet God proved then, as he has ever since, that he is absolutely faithful to every word he speaks to his children. God may have spoken to you about something in particular. Ministry at your church, way to raise your children, what you should do in your job. You have obeyed him, and now you face a Red Sea experience. It seems that what you thought God wanted to accomplish was not happening. Trust in the character of God. It is his nature to be faithful. The testimony of his people through the ages is expressed by the psalmist who declared, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Regardless of how bleak your present circumstances are, do not lose hope. No one has ever experienced unfaithfulness on God's part. Allow time for God to reveal his faithfulness to you. Someday you will reflect on what God has done and praise him for his absolute faithfulness to you. So we're driving to Gardner to, to meet the social worker to drop Alyssa off. And I'm like, all right, God, like when's the Red Sea going to part? Like waiting for the road to literally part and like take us somewhere else <laughs> or the social worker to call and be like, I'm just kidding. Um, but it didn't happen. Um, so we drop her off. She's asleep. You know, she doesn't know that we've dropped her off. She has to wake up with somebody else pretty hard Uh, by far one of the hardest things I've ever done so still trusting God not knowing what's going on um, but believing what he said even though that's not what we saw still really confused scared about all the people that I told hey man these people think I'm a loser like I'm crazy I might have been But then we get here and Will gets up in front of everybody and says, so Carrie and Kara believe God have told them that they got this little girl and now she's going back. Like, great, now the whole church thinks I'm crazy. (laughs) Um, And again, I might be a little bit, but I do trust the Lord. So then uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas passes, January, literally two months have gone by. Um, And if you have any... uh, any knowledge of the foster care system, we never got a call in that two months. That does not happen. There are so many foster kids that need, need homes in Louisiana. Two months without a call. 
between the time that Cooper went with his parents and we got Alyssa, we had two calls for sibling pairs. And like, we, we can't take siblings. We don't have the space or the, uh, the resources at our house to take care of siblings, so we had to decline them. But two months without a call, it doesn't happen. But we had told Alyssa's social worker that if something happens, call us. We, we want her back. Like, we love this little girl, if, you know, if we can help, whatever. So she calls us in January and says, hey, do y'all want Alyssa back? <laughs> yeah. What kind of question is that? Of course we do. So because of circumstances, Alyssa was never in any danger or anything. We get Alyssa back two months after we lost her. The next morning, all right, so we get her back this evening. The next morning I wake up and I go to Streams in the Desert to read. So it's January 24th. So the scripture is Genesis 8, 9 through 11. Noah, the floods happen. Noah's on the ark. He sends the bird out. And I reread this and God, I don't know if he didn't make the connection then, but last night he made this connection so clear to me. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot and she returned unto him. And the, do- the dove came in into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf. Just, huh? She came, she came back to us in the evening. Sent out the dove, she couldn't find rest, and she came home with peace. So, uh, the writer of Stream says, God knows just when to withhold from us any visible sign of encouragement, and when to grant us such a sign. How good it is that we may trust him anyway. When all visible evidences that he is remembering us are withheld, that is best. He wants us to realize that his word, his promise of remembrance, is more substantial and dependable than any evidence of our senses. When he sends the visible evidence, that is well also. We appreciate it all the more after we have trusted him without it. Those who are readiest to trust God without other evidence than his word always receive the greatest number of visible evidences of his love. So, God is awesome. Um, His word is true. Um, I'm super excited to see what God is going to continue to do with uh, our baby girl. Um, Tomorrow is the deadline for the social workers to hand in the termination of parental rights. Her goal has already been changed to adoption. Um, Since we've got her back, it's, it's happened pretty fast. Um, so we're in the, the baby stages of adoption with her. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, obviously her name will be changed to hope, excuse me. Um, but God's word is true. If God is telling you something, trust it. Um, if it doesn't look that way, it doesn't matter. God's word is more true than what you see. Your circumstances don't dictate what God will do or what God has said. They're sometimes completely contrary to what God has said, but God's word's faithful. You want to say anything, babe? Okay. Okay, I'm not a public speaker, so, and I'm really glad it's dark, because if I looked at your faces, then it all might. Anyway, um, okay, so I, I figured out in this whole journey, like, The Lord has just spoken to me specifically through circumstances and people. Um, Carrie Carrie brought the word. Like, he was so faithful to seek seek the Lord in in the word um, throughout this whole process. And I think I just, like, my feelings from the beginning, I was just kind of numb. And I was just, just, just trying to be, you know, emotionally detached from the whole situation, you know, in case... We did have to give her back, and um, but the Lord was faithful to speak through circumstances and people. Um, but He shared the story about how His vision of foster care. I didn't know that. I don't know how we we miscommunicated that to each other. But anyway, okay. He He shared that. Um, I guess it was probably a week before I got the call for Alyssa. Um, about, he just said something about like, man, I want, I want a mixed baby girl. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, and so I'm, you know, like I'm doing my thing out in the park with my son. Yeah. He wasn't in school yet. 
and uh, I get a call, and it's for a baby girl, and I ask, you know, um, what's the race? <laughs> and he, <laughs> the home development worker says um, she's, she's mixed, uh, black and white, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and he tells me all this other information, like when her birthday is, her birthday's March 29th. My birthday's March 28th. I'm like, I feel like this is, this is a sign from God. Like, yes, we need to take this baby. Um, and so that was, like, I guess, beginning of my journey for um, Alyssa. Um, and then, like I said, just kind, of, just kind of doing the mother thing. You know, trying not to become too emotionally attached. Of course, it didn't work. But... Um, but uh, just, I guess, just being selfish, just trying to hold on to, I don't know, my thoughts of the situation. But yeah, of course, like whenever we get the call about the aunt and all that, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, but then he shares that story about, you know, while he's driving out um, to work and he's has all these questions and the Lord faithfully answers him through the song. And, um, so he's sharing that with me and like, I get goosebumps and I'm like, okay, God, cause I, I guess I was just kind of doubting at that point, you know, like if, if she's going to go live with her aunt, just, just take her, you know? Um, but once he shared that story, I was like, okay, um, God is really speaking something and I think I need to trust this, you know? Um, and uh, I guess it was just during that time as well, um, I was involved in a Bible study, and the Lord gave me the verse in Joshua, and I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, whenever Joshua is getting ready to lead the uh, Israelites into the promised land, um, he gives them, you know, all, all these commands, um, but he says, you know, don't look to the right or to the left. Um, keep your eyes basically on the Lord. And, um, and that, I mean, that really spoke to me. And so that's just kind of the verse that I held on to, you know, during that time. Um, I don't want to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, and then like when... When she did leave, um, I remember we were getting in the car, and the song that came on the radio was Thy Will Be Done. And I was like, God, this sucks, but okay, if it really is your will, you know, okay. Um, so yeah, then we go through that whole terrible day, a couple of days of losing her. But then uh, someone... And I still don't know who. Um, and it, you know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to keep trusting God. You know, when we're so we don't we obviously don't have the mind of God, and we can't see, you know, all that's all that God sees. And so, um, but someone gave me a necklace. Um, it was a key that had the word hope on it and so and I, at first I was like oh yeah okay whatever but, but it was so nice to have that reminder you know that God did speak something and that we need to trust God in this even though we can't see what's happening um, so if you gave me that necklace thank you if you know who gave me that necklace thank you <laughs> um, I think that's it I think that's all of my story. Oh, well, and I did want to say one more thing. Like, it's been really interesting, I guess, just emotionally, you know, how I was just trying to be emotionally detached from this whole situation in the beginning. But, like, I don't think Carrie's emotions, really. I mean, he said he's not an emotional guy. But, like, I guess really I am. So whenever she came back, it was... It was just strange. It was just weird. Um, and the Lord had to help me figure out what I was feeling. 
um, at this point. And uh, he, he helped me realize, you know, that I am, I am not her foster mother anymore. Like, I am her mother. I mean, God, God's promises are true. You know, he brought her back to us, and I'm, I'm no longer just her foster mother. I'm her mother, and so that was really cool <laughs> to figure that out. Um, yeah. There you go. I'm done. So look, here's the deal. Um, we got some candles. We're going to pass those out. Um, unless you're afraid of fire, then you, can don't, you don't have to have one. Um, let me just say this. When we talk about setting people free, what we're talking about is, is getting people out of the mindset that God isn't real and He isn't alive and He isn't working because obviously He is and He does. This, this story that we're seeing in the life of Moses and the Hebrew people where Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And, Moses, and, and Pharaoh says, not at all, absolutely not. And then Moses goes back to God and says, God, I, I did what you said. I said the words that you said to say, and it didn't work. I, I, I called Carrie and Kara last week and asked them to share this story. And Carrie said, well, we would, but we're going to be out of town. I said, okay, that's fine. I appreciate you guys. And so this week I got in the text again, and I called Carrie and was like, bro, y'all got to share this week. Ask God about it, and if he gives you the go-ahead, please do. What are you doing? You're scared? I said you didn't have to take one if you're scared. Why do you have two? Ah, oh, dang, Chris. I'm going to wait just a second until we can get out. Everybody can get back on pace. <laughs> Presley's like, give me that fire. <laughs> And also, let me just say, if babies are running around, I'm totally cool with that. It's fine. Let Nina run. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Carrie and Kara, for sharing that story. Um, our life group got to walk with them through that journey. Um, and I'll tell you, when Carrie called me and said they're taking Alyssa back, um, I was right there with him because... I know Carrie well enough to know that if Carrie believes that the Lord said something, I'm putting that in the bank. The Lord spoke it. Because I know Him and I know He's in the Word and I know that He knows how to hear from God because we've known each other a long time. And so I'm right there with Him going, God, what are you, what are you doing here? I mean, I, I know what you said and it, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how this can work out because if you guys don't know... Um, my wife and I have been involved in foster care too and so we, we know how that system works and we know that we all go into an understanding that the ultimate goal is reunification, right? That's what, that's what the state wants. That's what God wants. He wants them to be with the parents that he gave them but sometimes that doesn't work out because of sin that's in people's lives. But we know that God is ultimately working and I was sharing with a friend yesterday who's going through an extremely difficult time. I said, even though we sin, even though we make mistakes, God always redeems that. Doesn't mean we don't live with the circumstances, but God always redeems the, the sin that happens in our lives. So we got about 15 minutes, and um, here's where I was going to try to go today, but we're, there's no way we'll make it. Um, the next part of this story, we're going to finish up a little bit of chapter 6 today, and then we move into the plagues. And so my, my plan was is to try to read through as much of that as we could. I had a few points after each one that I wanted to make. But we, we obviously don't have time to, to go through all that today. Um, but I planned it this way on purpose, so don't feel bad. I wanted to give you guys ample time to be able to speak what the Lord wanted to speak. And you guys have done a beautiful job, and we appreciate it. 
So here's what I, I need from you guys this week, because next week is Easter Sunday. And so where I wanted to be when we got there, where I feel like the Lord wanted us to be, was at the, the 10th plague, where we see the death of all the firstborns and all of the, the foreshadowing that's coming about the coming Messiah and how he is going to be the sacrifice. So that's where we're going next week. So what I'd like you guys to do this week is, in your quiet time, spend some time reading through these plagues and just ask the Lord to reveal, not, don't get bogged down in the science. Okay, it's so easy because our minds are inquisitive and we want to understand how God did the things that he did. Don't get bogged down in that. Ask God what he was trying to communicate to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. That's what it's about. Okay, and so spend some time this week digging into that and asking the Lord. There's some really beautiful things that happen in there and I may touch on a little bit of that next week. But let's finish up with chapter 6, okay? Um, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, most of you, I know, use it on your phone, which is convenient for today because you'll be able to read it. So we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to do 10 through 13, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll kind of work our way through the chapter, okay? So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let my people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am un of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land. This story to me is incredible because God is so patient and so loving. And we've seen all through this book, that God will give Moses a directive and Moses will say, God, I can't. God, I don't want to. God, I'm not able. And every time, instead of coming back with anger, God comes back with love. And he says, I made you. This is my task. I'm going to do it through you. You just be obedient. God is, is trying to do an amazing thing for the Hebrew people. He is trying to flee them, uh, free them from slavery. But in the middle of that call, in the middle of, of what's going on, they just keep, it seems like they're hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and it hurts. As Carrie and Carol were going through this process of foster care, it hurt. It did not feel good. We have this idea in our minds that when God is working in our lives, that it's going to be all joy and peace. And I can tell you from experience, it is not always that way. Obviously, we get to see today, we get to, see, we get to stand on the side of joy and of hope. And I can't wait to celebrate as that little girl is officially brought into that family. She is already, but it's also incredible when the papers are signed. She gets a new birth certificate that says Kara and Carrie Westbrook on it. We're going to celebrate that day, right? In the middle of us walking in what God's called us to, it's going to be hard. I, I've looked back over the last... I don't know how many sermons I've preached since last year. And I don't know if you guys have picked up on this theme. I'm not a particularly negative guy. I'm usually pretty upbeat. But over and over and over again, God has had me teaching on suffering. Have you guys picked up on that? It's a little weird for me. I'm going to be honest because I don't like suffering. I don't like talking about suffering. And I certainly, when I stand in front of you guys, I want to bring joy and hope and peace. Not doom and gloom and suffering, Right? But what I'm realizing and what you guys are realizing as we join God to set people free, it's going to be costly to us. It was costly to Kara and Carrie to give up their freedom, their money, their time, their hearts to a little girl. But it's worth it. I don't know if you've met Alyssa. If you haven't met her before you leave, she is the cutest, happiest baby ever. Presley gives her a run for her money. But I'm just saying, she's incredible. What there be like? Y'all can keep the candles. It's fun. Here's what I... The, whoa. And we're back. <laughs> I can't yell now. I'm going to back up out of these speakers a little bit. I want you guys to talk about this in life group this week. I know some of you do questions and some of you guys are going through book studies, but take some time this week. And I want you, to, I want you to, to discuss this. Has there been a time in your life where God called you to do something, where you've had an experience of blessing even when you didn't think it was possible. Where God said, I'm going to do a thing in your life, and you said, God, this is impossible, and he did it anyway. 
want you to talk about that. You may find yourself in the middle of that right now, and you have a word from the Lord about something, and you're going, God, there's no way. And you haven't reached that other side where you get to experience the joy and the blessing of God completing His work. But have some discussion about that. As you're reading through this text, through chapter 6, we're not going to read this part today because it's long and there's a lot of names that I'm going to mispronounce and then everybody will make fun of me and we won't get anything else done. But in the middle of this, all of a sudden, we see a genealogy of Moses and Aaron. Remember, they're brothers. And we see a genealogy. And so immediately when I see that in the middle of this story, in the middle of this timeline of what is happening, this exchange that's happening between Moses and Pharaoh and Moses and the Israelite people, why is that there? Why is that important? If you'll remember, if you were here, if you, either if you went to the Exodus classes or if you were here when Russ introduced the book of Exodus for us, you'll remember that there's this idea, this, this question that's happening since the, the original fall um, of Adam and Eve where the Israelite people are constantly looking for the person who's going to crush the serpent's head, Right? It says, you know, in, in Genesis, and Russ is going to make fun of me because I'm in Exodus and preaching about Genesis, and I gave him a hard time about it. But you see when Adam and Eve leave that God tells uh, Satan that he's going to, you know, he's going to be, he's going to have his head crushed, right? God's eventually going to knock Satan out of power, and it's going to be over. And so the Israelites are constantly looking for this person. Every time somebody new is born, a new man is born, they go, is this the one? We see it with Noah, we see it with all these, with, with, with Jacob, every one of them. As they're born, the whole nation's going, is this the one? Is this the one? Now, the Israelites, if you'll remember, have been in, in slavery and been captivity in Egypt for 400 years. So several generations have passed. And I think that what is happening, the reason that the author brings this out is that there is a remembrance in this group of people. All of a sudden, they see God's activity, or at least they're hearing that God is being active, and they are remembering. I think that the author goes back and shows us this genealogy. It traces it back. Moses and Aaron are direct descendants of the eldest son of Jacob. And I think that the, the text is pointing to the idea. It's asking the question again, is this going to be the one that crushes the serpent's head? Because that's what they're looking for. Now, what we all know, because we've seen the middle of the story, is that Moses and Aaron weren't the ones to crush the serpent's head, but we're getting there. We're headed that person. That person is Jesus, and we're going to talk about that next week. Okay, so that's one reason I think that it's brought there. Okay, the other reason, this is just my opinion. The other reason I think this is brought out is that that the author is saying, these are just two guys, two guys that we know. We we know them, we know their parents, we know their great-grandparents. They're just some guys. There's nothing special about Aaron and Moses. Moses is exceptional at sinning, we know that. We know that when Moses tried to operate in his own power, he ended up committing murder. Okay, I have not committed murder, okay, just so we guys know. Moses led people out of bondage. He was a murderer. I am not. Just, letting, just throwing that out there. God uses these two guys who are just some guys. There's nothing special about them. And that's important for us to understand because there's nothing special about us either. Other than that we are, we are part of the body of Christ. We have... We have made a commitment to him and one another to say, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you've called me to do regardless of the cost, right? And we're going to make mistakes, but God's going to redeem that work. But I think that it's so important for us to understand that when we look at people like Moses and Aaron and Jacob and David and all these people in Scripture, we get this really elevated idea of who they were. And yeah, they were great guys, but they were just some dudes who just decided to be obedient to God. And we have the same stuff within us that they had within them. We just, today I, I titled this, Choosing to Persevere. The titles are always the hardest part for me. I don't know why, but that's always the hardest part. And so it was not until this morning that I titled this message. But it's this idea that we're going to go through hard things. And what we saw happening in Carrie and Kara's life, and what we see happening in Moses and Aaron's life, is they get to a place where they just decide, we're going to see this through. We're going to do what God says, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the consequences, we're going to see it through. Let's pick up in verse 26 and, th- and go through 30. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. On the day the, when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, 
I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Can we all just take a minute and appreciate how candid Moses is with God? Think about it. He's so personal. We see, like, I, I never noticed before until we studied this book that Moses was the kind of guy that went to God and said, Hey, I don't want to do this. Or that Moses was the kind of guy that said, God, I don't understand, and I'm not qualified. We, in, 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 in church now, not in this church, in church global is the word that I'm using, is, is there's this idea that God is there and we are here and there's a separation between us. But Christ has, has filled that gap. And God wants us to be honest with him about where we are and how we feel. It's okay to feel how you feel. I can identify with Kara when she's going, God, I just, I'm done. Like, I remember Kara telling me that. I was like, how are you doing? She's like, I'm just done. Kara doesn't need to feel bad about that. It's okay to feel how you feel. And if you're not being honest about how you feel, you're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with God, it's okay to say to God, God, this sucks right now. I don't like this. It's okay to be candid with God. We need to be respectful, but we need to be honest with Him and with ourselves about how we feel where we are. It's so important. Because if we don't let God address those feelings, Satan will. God is our credentials. We've talked about that already. Everything that we need, all of our qualifications, none of it is because we went to a great school or we've had a lot of great life experiences, none of that qualifies us for the ministry that God's called us to. What qualifies us is the fact that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. What qualified Moses is that he was sent by God. It wasn't that he was a prince of Egypt. It wasn't that he was a shepherd for 40 years. It wasn't that he was an elected official. He wasn't. His credentials, his authority came from God, and that's where our authority and credentials have to come from. We can't stand on our own and say, um, I'm going to do this because of who I am. We have to stand on God's ground and say, I'm going to do this because God's called me to it, and it's his work. Let's pick it up in chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 2 and go through 5. You, you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. God is preparing Moses for what is coming. He's letting Moses know, I'm about to do a work. I'm about to do ten works. And they are not going to be fun or comfortable. But this is the only way to get Pharaoh to a place where he understands what's going on. It's alright, man. We're almost done. We're wrapping up right now. God is trying to say this. I've given you a, a word. You've believed me. Now's the time. Glenn talked about that last week. God is about to put things in action. And he's letting, letting Moses know Right up front, here's what's coming. And I love this. I love to see that God is prepping Moses because he's going to do the same thing in our lives. If we're spending time with him, being obedient to his call to set people free, there's going to be a moment as you're praying for the people that God has in your life where God's going to say, okay, it's about to happen. It's about to go down. Okay? If you thought of Kevin Hart when I said that, that's awesome. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll talk later. God takes time to show Moses that as he obeys and speaks to Pharaoh, it's going to appear at the outset that it isn't working. God tells Moses that in the beginning. He says, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. Don't let that deter you. Guys, as we share the gospel with people that God puts in our lives, if we're doing that as the Holy Spirit leads, it still may appear that nothing's going to happen, but it doesn't mean God's not working. Now, don't twist this and say, I'm going to share the gospel with everybody I run into and then come to me later and say, well, it's not working. Well, that's because you're operating in your power, not God's. But there are going to be times where God is going to say, okay, now's the time. 
and God starts the conversation, and then it's going to appear that it's not working, and we don't need to be frustrated with that. It's not our goal to force Christianity or what we believe are our, our um, distinctives. It's not our goal to push that on anybody. It's just to say, this is the experience that we have had, and we'd love for you to be able to experience that for yourself. I was sharing with somebody the other day. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I was sharing with somebody the other day that God is about truth and God is about justice. But if we pursue truth and justice without love, it's not God that we're pushing. It's ourselves. We're pushing our own agenda. As we join God to set people free, we have to do it in love as the Holy Spirit leads. God is not calling us to go out with picket signs and declare something on his behalf. He's plenty powerful enough to do that on his own. God's calling us to love people. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful for the work that you're doing in Westbrook's life. And I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of that. And we get to um, experience that alongside of them. Father, I'm just um, beyond words grateful for how faithful you are to us. God, it's my, my hope and my desire that the people that you've placed in our lives, the people that we work with, the people that we do life with, that, that as we pursue you, that your love would be spread to them. God, not because we make a point to do something or try to say something, but God, that just who we are, God, your Holy Spirit would flow out of us in such a way that it's obvious to people around us that there's something different. And that something different is you. It's your Holy Spirit. Father, you are incredible. I just want other people to see that. We want other people to see that. We want them to see that even when life looks like it's fallen apart, that we are not forgotten. That you are faithful to follow through with the works that you have started. And even when it takes years, even when it looks like everything is falling apart, you are still working. Father, give us the desire. Give us the courage. Give us the motivation to pursue you. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you.